Hello and welcome to Heart Yoga Radio. We're having our usual stroll through the damp hills today on this slightly chilly October day. We've been blessed with low wind, which is a nice treat at this time of year. So we're going to crack on with the Lao Tzu series with chapter 69. Okay, let's have a little read through this and see what we think. Chapter 69. There is a saying you know which soldiers have. I never use my force before my enemy uses his. I'd sooner go back a foot than advance an inch. This is called going forward without moving, rolling up your sleeves without showing your arm. And by not, you defeat him without apparently doing anything. This is like being armed, but no one sees what you have. Never think your enemy is feeble, that's disastrous. If I do that, I'm bound to lose all I have. So you see, when the battle begins, it is the one who seems weakest that will win. Mm, so it's a bit of a lead-in from the last one we did. That was also about soldiers. Yeah. As you said, because uh, this kind of thing was on Lao Tzu's mind a lot, wasn't it? Because yeah. of the time that he was living in. Yeah. And probably all the... Uh, the chaos he was seeing around himself. Yeah, I mean, he was somebody who had to think that war is undesirable, combat is undesirable, but necessary or cannot be avoided. It would be great if we could avoid it, but cannot be avoided. And that would be a fair conclusion to, to, to draw it in his day. In our day, I suppose it's the same, you know, can, can it be avoided? Well, I would think that in principle it can be avoided, but in practice it's not being avoided. There's a lot of sabre rattling in the South China Sea, as, as we mentioned, vis-a-vis -vis the previous chapter which we discussed. And a shooting war in Europe. So... Yeah, it's not all fun and games at the moment, is it? No. So Lutzer feels as though he has to speak about this, and he speaks about it quite a bit. But his recommendation is, well, non-doing. Well, his recommendation is, well, retreat if you can. Don't think that just sheer offence and attempting just to sort of power up to, to a level that you can overcome anything is actually not really going to work. You know, best to step back rather than, rather than advance. Because he's advancing without advancing. Now, he gets very pretty cryptic with those remarks, you know. Um, rolling up your sleeve without showing your arm, going forward without moving, winning without apparently doing anything. And of course, this is the big desideratum in, you know, Daiji, Aikido, Judo, these kind of soft, soft martial arts. And the, you know, the, the recommendation is that you, you use the force of the opponent. You know, you're yielding like water. Remember, he said somewhere else, the eye's good is like water. It yields and yields and yields, yet still wears down the stone. That's an argument for, for extreme persistence as well. And again, this is non doing, Wu Wei, non action, non striving. In other words, keeping you cool as well. There's nothing like panicking in, 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 in dangerous situations for fucking things up for you, you know, making sure you lose your shirt. And or being too cocky. Or being too cocky as well. But, I mean, it's, 
it's very refreshing that he just avoids the cyber rattling altogether. He just has utter disdain for, for that approach to, to warfare, the gungo approach to warfare. He's very definitely a peacenik, you know, somebody who values peace to the very, very highest degree, who's uh, forever trying to tell us how to organise our community so that there's, there's less strife. Now, we might not agree with some of his methods, and they may not be that easily applicable to the, to the modern age, but nevertheless, we have to recognise that this man is telling us the, the, the value of peace. And he's saying, take the value of peace into war as well. You know, by, by avoiding the gungo, by not, by not celebrating in, in a very, I don't know, vulgar fashion, uh, a victory. I mean, he, he says elsewhere again, celebrate a victory like a funeral. All of this is regrettable. War and struggle is regrettable. But people will. And if you're forced to keep your integrity by avoiding, you know, it's even it's a philosophy of mini minimum injury to your opponents as well, to round them up and then just massacre them all, which probably did happen in those days. To avoid that, you know, treat, treat people who you defeat with magnanimity. And it is a lesson that, that, that history uh, amplifies. After the First World War, the Germans and, and their allies were, were punished severely by the victorious side. And in a kind of gloating kind of fashion. So, so, so the Treaty of Versailles, the, the, the triumphant allies, the British, the, the Americans, the citizens of the British Empire and, so, and the French, extracted massive reparations from Germany for the war, making it pay like a huge amount of its GDP to pay for the war. They lost so they can pay for it. But of course it crippled the economy and, and paved, paved the way for some massive social unrest which didn't help, it might not have been the direct cause but it didn't help with the rise of fascism. Those couple of years of hyperinflation in the 1920s. Second World War, again Germany defeated, the, the Axis defeated, Germany, Japan defeated. Italy, but this time instead of extracting massive reparations and really making the, the country suffer, uh, the winners, particularly the Americans, executed the Marshall Plan and similar in Japan and Germany and just basically poured, poured millions of dollars into, into reforming, rebuilding the economies of those countries, which became, over time, quite rapidly within a, within a generation like economic powerhouses of the world so World War One finished 1919 20 years later 1939 another world war breaks out really in some sense a continuation of, of the first but, but uh, the plan the Marshall Plan meant there's no major wars in Europe for 
Well, until Ukraine, I suppose. Even though it was the Yugoslavia, dissolution of Yugoslavia as well. But basically, uh, a much longer period of sustained peace. And this is, this, this is magnanimity with, with the defeated. You know, we can see historically there that the, this, this sort of devished, non-gung-ho, non-violent means of waging war does make a lot of sense, if peace is a value. And I suppose the other thing about, about Lao Tzu's methodology of taking a step back and or even like a little step to the side and rolling up your sleeve without showing your arm well the idea there is we'll just don't telegraph exactly what you're doing make your strategy hard to discern and having this this kind of peacenik strategy this non-doing strategy it does actually make what you're up to as a, if you're fighting difficult to discern which makes it, makes it more likely that your opponent will make a mistake. So you give him all the opportunities to make mistakes as a, as a, as a strategy, and non-doing plays right into that. becomes a lot less obvious what's going on, a lot less transparent. So just on that level of strategy, and I think this is what, how he's talking in this one, He's not telling us about meditation quite so much as he mentioned in the previous one, in chapter 68. It's a little bit quieter on that matter. He's not talking about the way of heaven this time. He's talking about winning. And yeah, well, the non-doing is certainly a trick you want in your arsenal. When it comes to the actual strife of life, the levels in which life is strifeful, contested and that might apply to politics, social organisation, art but meditation as well Well thank you Lao Tzu for giving us some good advice and giving the world some good advice just wish some more people would pay attention to you (laughs) anyway Thank you for coming on this, this chilly walk with us today. Hope you're all doing okay and we'll speak to you soon.